0: Law Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Consumers Law Journal on your Law Talk Radio. This is your host, Nick Augustine, the Law Publicist. This show is produced by Law Publicist Communications, a legal marketing and public relations agency serving law firms and business professionals. The production of Your Law Talk Radio is funded by the sponsor donations and advertising. We work hard to bring you new and pragmatic content on every Tuesday and Thursday afternoons at 3 o'clock central. Today's guest is Connie Walsh. She is a certified financial planner and certified divorce financial analyst. She helps individuals and couples in the midst of a stressful transition so that they gain control over their financial future. Connie is an advocate of financial mediation and collaborative divorce, A frequent speaker in Chicagoland groups, Connie has earned a strong reputation for her knowledge and experience in divorce finance. Our acclaimed guest was featured in a Fox News video parked on the resources page of the Walsh Financial website. You can find that at www.yourfinancialdivorce.com forward slash resources. We do have a great show for you this afternoon, and our programming is politically neutral and objective. Your counterpoints are always welcome. You can always dial in at 917-889-9732 and press option 1 to be placed in our caller queue. The telephone number, again, is area code 917-889-9732, option 1 for the caller queue. By way of short disclaimer, this is a general information program. The advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Communications with attorneys on the show does not give rise to an attorney. Client privilege. Law Talk Radio does not necessarily endorse all the opinions expressed by guests. And finally, all callers may remain confidential and all rights to this broadcast are reserved. Now, before we get going with our show today, I have three upcoming events to tell you about. Uh, the first two are from Chicago Lawyer Magazine's Off the Pages series. The Chicago Lawyers uh, Off the Pages presents Taking Care of Business on September 20th, 2011. Three panelists of interests are how to grow your book of business in a challenging economy, second, building a relationship with your in-house lawyers, and third, motivating and keeping young talent. The panelists presenting at this event are top attorneys and executives with valuable insight. This event will be held from 7.30 to 11 a.m. at the University Club in Chicago. For early bird registration and more information, please call Olivia Clark at Law Bulletin for more info. Telephone number 312-644-4033, or you can email her at O-C-L-A-R-K-E at L-B-P-C dot com. MCLE credit is pending for this event, and sponsorship opportunities are still available. Now, there's an additional off-the-pages series, also presented by Chicago Lawyer Magazine. This one's going to be in October. It's uh, October 18th. title of that is Taking Diversity Seriously, and the following panels will be presented. Number one, being a woman in this legal industry, how do you navigate the challenging waters? And second, a detailed look at local diversity statistics. In addition, Chicago Lawyer presents keynote speaker Aaron Reeves of NextGen's. Reeves is a Chicago Lawyer, Magazine columnist, and diversity expert who will present a status and report on diversity. This event will also take place from 7.30 to 11 a.m. at the University Club in Chicago. Again, contact Olivia Clark for more at 312-644-4033. Our next event, if you are in DuPage County on September 22, 2011, you should come by and attend the Collaborative Law Institute of Illinois' West Suburban Practice Group's annual open house. Come to Carlucci's Restaurant in Lombard at the intersection of Interstate 355 and Butterfield Road from 5 to 7 and meet the attorneys, financial and mental health professionals who team up to provide collaborative divorce solutions. Guests will include professionals who might want to become collaborative fellows, as well as family law judges from the DuPage County Family Law Division, as well as affiliate professionals who are utilized in the collaborative process. For your invitation, please email Connie Walsh at Connie, C-O-N-N-I-E, at com. Again, that email is Connie at com. Now, for subject matter for today's show, the Illinois Department of Public Health reports 2,176 residents of DuPage County and 10,200 residents of Cook County, Illinois, were divorced in 2009. Now, statewide, there were 32,460 couples divorced in 2009. Now, using graphs, spreadsheets, and proprietary software, Chicagoland Divorce Financial Analyst Connie Walsh helps clients discuss settlement options and make sound financial plans. Should you keep part of your pension? What about the house? Do you need to increase your retirement savings? Connie will talk about all of these subject areas in which she counsels clients. Divorce financial planning is popular in mediation and collaborative practice as well as traditional litigation. Let's welcome our guest, Connie Walsh.
1: Hi, Nick. This is Connie. Uh, Thank you so much for having me today. Uh, I really look forward to this. There's a lot of uh, information I'd like to get out there, and um, I think I'll just start out by giving a little bit of background to uh, the folks that are listening. I'm sure there are attorneys listening as well as maybe some potential uh, prospects and frustrated clients that are going through this process. So, um, you know, my background is such a, in the financial industry uh, over 20, 25 years um, back in Wall Street days when I was putting together a lot of these products that we see in these divorces, such as limited partnerships and investments and all the different types of um, investments. So, um, that, you know, of course, brings my expertise to this area because we are dealing with a lot more sophisticated divorces these days uh, in this respect. So, um, uh, you know, I had been in this industry, in that industry, about uh, fifteen years, and then, um, surprise, surprise, due to my own divorce, started realizing that I was frustrated during the divorce process because I wasn't understanding the nuances of what's what's typical, what's norm in the divorce process. So uh, I was. Um, you know, typically sent back uh, to the, uh, from the judge for uh, mediation and ended up in mediation but had started in the litigation process. And that brings me to, you know, my passion in this area whereby I really feel it's so important for people to have this financial guidance during their divorce process. Uh, whether they are litigating, mediating, or going through a collaborative divorce, uh, it is very important to have this guidance. And, uh, so that they can see the consequences of their financial divorce. Too often I do see clients coming in here, and even if the divorce is final, and they, they may be coming to me to see uh, to talk about investments and financial planning, uh, yet they are uh, don't even really know some of the simple questions as to how much they're getting for support or uh, how long is it going to be for and the reviewability and the modifiability of it and which assets, how much are they getting and how do they get those assets. So they're coming in and very frustrated, you know, very frustrated, levels uh, varying. Um, Obviously, um, I work in litigation, mediation, and collaborative divorce in all three aspects, and obviously my role is different for each one, and we'll go through that a little bit. Um, in each area that we work and the value to the attorney and the value to the client. Um, But I do think it's very important when a client first comes in or a prospect first comes in to talk to me, one of the first things I talk about is the different ways you can divorce because really I don't think any one of the three ways is right or wrong. It really is up to that prospect to really figure out which area is best for them and for their spouse and for their children. Uh, And obviously, we would lock a less adversarial uh, process if possible, but that's not always possible. So it's very important that we have all three processes, and they are the best ones to make that decision going forward. So uh, with that, after going through with a prospect, uh, you know, making sure they understand all three ways, um, I do tell them there are, there. Uh, it's I don't think it's any secret that there are attorneys out there that would like to just do litigation, and there are attorneys out there that would like to just do mediation or collaborative divorce. So if they go to that uh, attorney, that's what they will probably end up with, and that may or may not be in their best interest. So... Um, that's the first thing I like to go over. The other thing um, I like to go over with the clients uh, in order to get a real personal feeling uh, on how I relate to those clients is um, I ask them if they're coming in alone or if they're coming in as a couple, where it may be mediation or collaborative divorce where they're coming in as a couple, I ask them what are their fears, their concerns, and their goals in this process. So that will really tell me a lot. So listening skills have become an area that I've gotten so much better in through the years because of this being in the divorce area. You really need to listen as a professional to their concerns and their needs. And the other thing I uh, advice I give to people is uh, to really use the professionals for what they're best trained in. Obviously, the attorney is best trained in the legal matters, and the financial professionals are best trained in the financial matters, and the mental health professionals are best trained in helping you through a lot of the processes that could be put back a little bit uh, because of anger issues or guilt issues or non-education in the financial matters. So there are divorce Coaches that are mental health professionals that we utilize frequently in the collaborative divorce process, but can always be used in mediation and litigation processes. Uh, That gives you a little bit of background. We do um, use uh, a lot of uh, software that is going to be used for projection purposes. And uh, these projections, um, uh, we try not to project them out too long, but they are very helpful for the client and for the attorney and for the judge in a litigation process. Um, um, uh, In litigation, the attorney can use these spreadsheets and uh, analysis not only to calculate the, to have us correctly calculate the child support and some scenarios, some what-if scenarios on spousal support, but also to look out at both parties and how they both will Fair in the post-divorce setting, given their different income levels. So, um, like in, uh, I was an expert witness to give you an example. I was an expert witness um, on the stand in a uh, case down in Will County, and uh, after being on the stand for an hour, two, three, I don't even remember how long it was. uh, You know, the judge was uh, loving all these um, the spreadsheets because he said, "I, as a judge," am impelled by the court to take into consideration the future earning potential of both parties when coming up with what I think is an equitable settlement, not necessarily equal. And uh, as we all know, in, a, um, in the um, uh, you know, equitable division state that we're in, and he said vis-a-vis how, long the, how much the spousal support should be, what the terms should be, how much should it be, should there be a disproportionate division of the assets, and all of those. And he said that's very hard for me to do as a judge back in my chambers with a piece of paper, a pad of paper, a pencil, and a cal- calculator. So he said this has made it very organized for me to look at that and make decisions based on that. So that's in a litigation setting that it can be helpful, as well as in a pretrial setting it can be very helpful, these things. I have I talked to another judge uh, in the, um, I won't name names, in the in, uh, DuPage Family Law Division here. And I said to him, I said, you know, I said, really, I said, you know, when you see our reports, uh, I said, do you cringe or are you glad to see them? Or are they helpful? And I was kind of frank with him. And he said, oh, interesting. He says, actually, in a pretrial hearing, I like to see them because I think we can, you know, cut to the quick with the attorney's. He says, but in a trial I really don't like to sit through he was not you know, all of the hours and hours of going through the finances in that respect. So that's an area where that judge in particular really thought it was helpful to cut to the quick in a pretrial hearing. So they I do have attorneys that append uh our reports to the back of a pretrial memorandum and that can be helpful. Um, let's see. Uh and that also goes Based on the uh, the whole subject of need versus ability to pay, uh, you know the amount of the equitable division state that we're in, with uh, how much support should there be support? How much support disproportionate division of assets as we discussed? before uh that's all based on i think it's I'm not a judge, so i don't give legal advice i mean an attorney i don't give legal advice, but that's based on like thirteen or fourteen items in the regs there uh that uh discuss you know what what should define those, and one of them being the needs of the uh party that does not have the income. Potential versus the ability to pay of the party that maybe does have the income potential. So again, we go back and forth to look at that, and these spreadsheets and the projections can be very helpful in that respect. Okay, let's see. Um, I do not. Um, I just want to be clear on my role with clients and attorneys. Um, I am not a. I'm. Not, I'm do not give any legal advice to clients. I am not a CPA. I use allied professionals uh, such as CPAs, mortgage lenders, um, business valuators, uh, pension valuators in my business. So I don't profess to be an expert in all areas, but yet we'll find those people. So in a litigation setting, you can be assured I will not get into a position where i am over and above or the opposing counsel will uh you know put tear me apart because i'm not a cpa those aspects will be uh we will have somebody there to do that Uh, and um, in the reporting. Um, So that kind of brings us into uh, the different areas that we do get into uh, as financial people. Obviously, budgeting for both parties, child support, spousal support, retirement assets, pensions, uh, quadros. We don't write the quadros up, but we are looking at them and gathering the information. Marital versus non-marital assets, real estate Uh, All of these areas have absolutely been uh, very uh, different in the last few years also. Uh, These are areas that we have seen uh, in families really struggle with over the past few years, as you can imagine. Marital homes, the values are down. We see short sales, foreclosures. We can't come up with the agreements that we used to when there's short sales pending and foreclosures pending. Stock options, all of a sudden they're not in the money any longer, all of them. I mean, does that mean that they shouldn't be in the marital assets? No, not in my opinion. They are still an asset if they ever become in the money. So uh, lending restrictions in buying out the other spouse. The um, uh, There's so many out there that the the we don't want to tell one spouse that they need to buy the other one out and do a quick claim deed back and forth if the lenders are not going to allow them to do that so we really need to have that information during the process uh the investments are very volatile uh in the last several years up and down with the market so these 401k plans where a lot of their people's assets are in they are uh there may be a portion of that that is non marital Now, in litigation, they may say, well, that's a gift to the marriage because they are commingled in that respect. But we can certainly be creative and if it's the intent of the parties to try to carve that out because uh, half of the 401K, the 401K was 300000 when they got married and now it's 700000 How much of that plus the gain on that is non-marital? Because the uh, law says that the gain is also non-marital of the non-premarital. And maybe it's not a gain any longer. Maybe it's a loss. So that can be very creative, and we get involved in doing some scenarios in that respect uh, there?
0: Connie, there are so many, there are so many different ways that I'm seeing just by listening to you, and it's been quite my pleasure to, um, you know, just listen to the different ways how this is also well organized. Um, I come out of family law myself, and organized and systematic approaches to problems is uh, was one of my things. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that there are more professionals like you on on you know available to family law practitioners. We're going to pause for our short break, and then be right back with Connie Walsh. We Yeah, I want to bring you uh, commercial sponsors from three uh, commercial sponsors. First is the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Do your marketing materials and slogans infringe on another's intellectual property rights? You should find out. Chicagoland attorney Nancy K. Ducharme brings big law firm experience and reputation to her intellectual property law firm, serving national corporate clients in the areas of trademark copyright internet law and advertising law when you need the right legal services to advance your creativity while guarding against trademark infringement call law office of nancy k ducharme at 708-444-7900 the telephone number again is 708-444-7900 you can also visit www.nkdlaw.com for more information second sponsor if you haven't met Mary Lane yet, then you need to listen up because she will help you make more money. Mary is a well-known business and executive coach all over Chicagoland. She's known for executive coaching and unique abilities in helping people with connecting the dots and removing the barriers to business goals. Mary is the president of Peak Marketing and Sales Incorporated, and these renowned coaching and consulting services are available to businesses, associations, organizations, and teams to bring about measurable results. Call Mary today at 630-768-1422. That number again is 630-768-1422. Or visit Peak Marketing Online at www.peakmsi.com. And third, law publicist communications is a legal marketing and public relations agency serving Chicagoland lawyers and business professionals. Many people hire us to write their marketing material, blog articles, and press releases. We then use those to promote and manage clients' webinars, events, and media coverage. We really are a full-service agency, and you'd be surprised how many ways we can help you. Give us a call today at 312-505-2604 to see how we can put you on the map and position you to get more clients. That telephone number again? is 312-505-2604. Now, before we get back to our show, if you ever have a guest suggestion for Law Talk Radio broadcast, please drop us a note on our website or Facebook page. You can search simply in Google for Law Talk Radio and easily find us. Now, back to our program with Connie Walsh. Connie, so much great information. I I really wish that uh, some of the attorneys I was working with when I was a a young law clerk back in the early 90s would have... um, been using your uh, services for a lot because I remember doing a dissipation tracing, and uh, I had very little uh, experience <laughs> with some of the finances and <laughs> accounts. So, uh, so very so much value. So let's jump into uh, value again. Talking about we're going to talk now about in our second segment about litigation as a practice area where Connie's services are so useful. And then in our third segment, we'll talk about mediation, and followed by our fourth segment with collaborative divorce. So uh, Connie, if you lead us through, uh, continue with your dialogue. It's wonderful.
1: Okay, thanks Nick. Uh in litigation, uh obviously there's a value to the attorney as well as a great value to the client. Uh with the attorney, um it has been you know my practice that I actually um talk to the attorney in regards to um the whether it's advantageous uh if for the client to sign the retainer agreement with me or for the attorney to re- sign the retainer agreement. Uh in one uh one uh uh, trial that I had done, I, it became advantageous for the attorney to sign that agreement. What happened there was um, it could be argued that it would be uh, confidential and uh, attorney-client privilege in that respect because it's work product. And whether that – in this case, the the, the judge said, uh, you know, maybe – that's an argument. Maybe it's not, but I'm not going to waste the client's money and time to try that issue. Therefore, it worked exactly as we wanted it to. He just said, we're going to go with what we have here, and we're not going to allow all of the, uh, the uh, information in the files to be uh, looked at by the opposing counsel. And uh, so, again, I am very careful when I'm going through litigation case uh, because I know that at any time, especially if the client is signing the retainer agreement, that the um, the opposing counsel, if it goes to trial, will be able to, you know, slap all those deposition stickers all over my files. So he's going to be going sorting through that. So I'm very careful at that when I'm going through and what I'm writing in my notes in that respect. Um, Because obviously I am working with one side versus the other and becoming a financial advocate for the client, but also a team player with that attorney and really wanting to work with the attorney to say, what can I do to help this case? Uh, It may be, as you had mentioned, Nick, uh, some forensic tracking of money or investments, the money tracking. I'm not a forensic accountant. Again, I would bring in an accountant if needed be if we're looking through tax returns and things of that sort. Uh, but I am very trained uh, from my Wall Street days in tracking money transfers and i 've done cases where I really kind of you know I, as you can imagine I've got, i 've get boxes from the attorneys or the clients, and hopefully not from both the same ones because we have to filter through them so that 's always been a challenge but um as and i 'm taking all of those investment accounts and all of that and looking through them and filtering through them and c- putting them into a spreadsheet whereby you've got the ins and the outs to show the attorney and the client if we feel there's any uh, possible dissipation of funds so and where they came where they went to uh so that is very helpful in a litigation case uh and could be brought in as expert witness testimony um Let's see. The Again, I had mentioned before on the pretrial hearings, I would like to stress that a little bit more in a litigation case because I think that could be very helpful and a good way. You know, Obviously, as professionals, we're learning from each other, so I think that's really a value added for us as professionals that um, I learn from the attorney, the attorney learns from me, and I think that's a great thing in this uh, area the in as far as the value to the client in a litigation case obviously i'm working with that one spouse never a couple in that case so i it may be that one party has much more uh, expertise in financial matters and uh, has been in control of the finances we see a lot of that control issues um with uh, uh with the uh frustration level on the non-earning spouse the, uh, I provide the education and the information that's needed for that non-spouse, non, uh, non-business or financial savvy spouse, so that she or he can make those decisions, and it's certainly not always the she in this case, uh, and uh, to make those financial decisions and be involved in the process with their attorney. So that can help the frustration level of the attorney. And I work when I work closely with several attorneys they can see that that the clients aren't coming back to them asking them all these questions and education questions. They can just concentrate on what they like to do best. So it really can also add to leveling, what I call leveling the playing field with the, the spouse, if the spouse has not been involved. So now they have a financial advocate, and they don't feel like they are going to just be able to have to, you know, bow down to the other spouse because that spouse has been the one in charge of the investments. Um, the projections and the analysis in a litigation case, I'd like to say that that tool is twofold one it's to help the attorney to negotiate a better deal for the client as well as it's a tool for the client to see what challenges that lie ahead from a net worth or a cash flow standpoint that may or may not be satisfied by that divorce settlement that's that's being proposed so again getting the the, the clients to be more proactive And as we all know, this is such a stressful area, and these people are being asked to make really big decisions in regards to their finances and their future retirement that uh, they need to understand what they're signing, and that's only helpful for everybody involved.
0: It's certainly helpful for, I I can see, so much of the benefit of helping the attorneys because too often um, without adding the right other professionals and without having a divorce financial analyst, too many attorneys rely on skills that they don't necessarily have. And uh, so can you give us a list again of some of the other people that are sometimes brought in? I really like the collaborative uh, model with all the different, I know we'll talk about collaborative law specifically, but uh, you said there are so many different professionals that you bring in. And so it seems to me like a very project management approach.
1: Uh that's a good way to put it. Uh the project management and it really is and all the attorneys understand that only too well That the these are, you know, these are difficult for all of us professionals to keep track of what's going on. Not only we don't just have one case going on at a time and um we are working with as we said, uh, you know, other allied professionals. Uh pension valuations. I mean, I certainly can estimate them, but I really don't feel like uh, I think that we're uh we're all there to help each other. And um, if I can get a pension valuation done that's $300, why should I bother when the uh, the liability for me to make a mistake in that is not great? And then I can bring that pension valuation in uh, if need be to back up those numbers. And um, to uh, really show the value, whether they take the working on one, whether they take it at age 55 or age 65, is the value going to be different? And it would be. It could be in certain instances be different. So if we're putting that on the asset sheet, that one party, should that one party take that asset? Because, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times the judge will say, no, we want to split that with a Quadro, a Qualified Domestic Relations Order, because we want to share the risk, and that's true. So we do talk about that, sharing the risk, the only way to share the risk of that pension, which may or may not be there or may be uh, decreased as time goes on with if it's an Illinois pension or if it's American Airlines pension or whoever it may be, there's a risk to that. Well, there's also a risk if you're offsetting that with a 401k asset, that those 401k assets could go down in value if we have a volatile market. So both places have risk. So, again, as we know, the judge will like to cut everything down the middle, so to speak, such that they're sharing the risk. And sometimes that's not the best idea when it comes to illiquid assets or cash flow or tax consequences with a uh, some passive income. And maybe that's the reason why one party needs to take the passive activity against his income, and that was what they... Obtained the investment for in the first place. So again, we look at all those and we try to understand all of that.
0: Connie, you make it seem—it it sounds. I mean, it sounds—it sounds very romantic the way you describe it.
1: Romantic. It like it's interesting.
0: It's—it's—it's. <laughs> it's interesting. there's so many options you could go this road you could go that road um i'm mean, i it's something that i've have i have several friends who work in the finance industry and um i remember the first time someone you know really explained hedging your bets and what was what they were talking about or different evaluations and audits and it's all very it's all very fascinating and i'm so glad that you're on the program today to share some of these uh ideas with attorneys because i can see so many times that you have a divorce situation where you may not, um, you know, just think of business valuations. I, I know a lawyer who tells me, I get everyone who has a small business interest, I get a business evaluation done because it would be malpractice, in my opinion, to not do that. And I wonder, exactly. we, yeah, we, and we do have to pause for a quick commercial break, but I'll ask you real quickly, if you ever have people who call you and say, hey, I don't think that my attorney got it right the first time. I think I got a raw deal here, um, the way things unfolded. Do you ever get those calls, people who want to reopen their judgment?
1: Um, I do, but actually that is a perfect example, Nick, of how I do not give legal advice. I mean, that is really not up to me to say, you know, did you get a raw deal? or I mean, right. I have no idea what the instance is that the, uh, you know, typically there's two sides to that story. There's the attorney's side into that, so I'll never say, oh, yeah, you got a raw deal. Right. I mean, who would know? And for them to open up a case, uh, from what I understand from the attorneys, you know, and that's really difficult, too. Um, is it done? I'm sure it is. I don't get a lot of, po- you know, as much in that respect to reopen a case, hmm. but I really do. Um, well, that's where I will refer them to an attorney, and I do a lot of referrals in that respect right, to right. Uh, get them back in.
0: Well, and to our listening audience, or to out get there, another attorney in. Y- Right, you're gonna have someone else take a look at it. Um, you know, so many times I see now people going pro se, and a lot of uh, clients are, or, you know, potential litigants are, are going online and really doing their own divorces. And DuPage County has a wonderful Family Night Court program, but there again, will suggest that you are always better off, even if you have to shop around for a while. And again, like Connie uh, identified, there are you know three different ways to divorce, and you should find out which is best for you. And we'll get into more of mediation collaborative divorce in a moment after the break um but again i suggest that whether you get you should always get help never uh I, you know i i can't fix my own car i'm not going to try to there's someone else who knows how to do that and the same goes with uh you know whatever service whether you need car repair uh you know or plumbing or divorce you know there are people out there who know what is good and what's not good so always good to get professional advice i always say ask someone don't don't fly on your own. So a uh, quick message from a few sponsors, and we'll be back to our program. First from Jim Thompson in the Get Clients Now program. If you need more clients, there's a seasoned attorney and marketing coach you need to talk to. His name's Jim Thompson, and his program is called Get Clients Now. He'll help you take the crucial steps towards increasing your firm's revenues. The Get Clients Now program employs various time-honored techniques to help you attract new business and encourage referrals. Please visit lawyersmarketingresource.com and also check out the testimonials on their website to see what people have to say about their program. You can also get in touch with Jim Thompson today by emailing him at JET, that's J-E-T like JET, at midwestconsultants.net. You can also call him directly at 708-785-4022. Again, the number is 708 785 four zero two two next from credit damage expert george finder your credit score is a valuable asset credit damage expert George Finder is an expert who can put a dollar amount on damage to your credit score. By learning to incorporate credit damage questions into the intake process, you and your staff will learn how to spot credit damage events worthy of retaining George Finder's credit damage analysis services. Available nationwide, credit credit damage expert George Finder is available for consulting on damage to credit reputation. You can visit him uh, through his website. He's got a video there. You can uh, learn a little bit more about it at credit DamageExpert.com. That again is www.creditdamageexpert.com to learn more about George Finder and his expert services. And uh, finally, from the software and technology attorneys at Marcus Stephen Harris, LLC. Software licensing agreements, cloud computing, and software selection all fall on the desks of the attorneys at Marcus Stephen Harris, LLC. This international software, technology, and intellectual property firm based in Chicago leads the way in software and technology Law. Before entering private practice, Principal Marcus Harris worked as Senior Corporate Counsel at SSA Global Technologies, a global software vendor. Marcus also worked in the Legal and Contracts Department of SAP Technologies, drafting and negotiating hundreds of technology related agreements with SAP's Fortune 500 customer base. Today, Marcus leads a talented team ready to help you navigate business issues in software, technology, and intellectual property. Call Marcus Stephen Harris today at 312. Two six three zero five seven zero, 570 and visit their website for more at MSHTechLaw, that's dot lawcom The telephone number again, three one two two six three zero five seven zero. 570 Now, before we get back to our show, I want to remind our listeners out there to share our broadcast links in their social networks. Many people do find out about our shows on their friends' Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn pages. We thank all of you for your support in sharing our programming. Now, back to our discussion with Connie Walsh. We started out in our first segment with an introduction to the value of divorce financial analysis and planning. Then we talked a little bit about litigation, and in our third segment, we will now discuss mediation as one of the three options for those who are divorcing. Connie?
1: Okay. Thanks, Nick. Uh, yes, mediation. Um, we, uh, there is parenting mediation and there's financial mediation, as we all know. And the goal of the mediation is to really come up with what's called a memorandum of understanding and the parenting and the financial matters. My background, as I said before, is financial. I'm qualified, obviously. I've done my 40 hours of mediation training at Northwestern University. I've been asked to speak at Northwestern University on advanced topics in mediation mediation for financial matters. Um, I've done that. That was well received and uh, as, been, as well as been a guest speaker there in their 40-hour mediation training as well as the one out here that's that's always held the 40-hour one that's done out here at, cent- at um, COD, um, College of DuPage. So uh, those are really helpful uh, for uh, any professionals that want to get in the mediation area. Uh, the um, I... I can do the parenting. I really typically don't because I I think that people I am an advocate of uh, the professionals doing what they do best, as I, and I do best is my is the financial matters, and that's what my background is in. I do use that as an opportunity to network with other attorneys and mental health professionals, such that I'll call them up and say, "Okay, I'll do the financial matters. You do the parenting matters, and let's go together." That, par- that person can be an attorney or a mental health professional that's uh, good in the parenting issues, and then that the clients can bring that to a um, call it a mediation-friendly attorney to write it up. Or we can give them some uh, referrals. So I do like my referral list, and any attorneys that want to be on. That referral list. Please feel free, whether it's litigation or mediation or collaborative divorce, to email me, you know, at the uh, at my email address, the Connie at yourfinancialdivorce uh, and I'll be happy to, you know, speak to you and include you in on that list. Uh, the um, I try to uh, encourage the clients to have an attorney during the mediation process. I can't stress that enough. I do not feel that it's in their best interest to have surprises afterwards and to go to an attorney afterwards to write it up and the attorney will all of a sudden say, well, you know, you really should have delved more into this or, you know, the legal aspect of this. Again, I'm not an attorney. I don't. Play one on t v and I don't profess to be one uh and I do like the financial world better than the attorney world, so the I think it's really important for them to do that they don't always want to do that because as we know, there's a lot of clients that come in and they think mediation is a way to save money, and uh that uh they can be uh you know they also ask the question frequently. Do we need two attorneys? Can one of us just get an attorney? And there is obviously both that attorney can only represent one party. Yes, that can happen, but the other party is at a disadvantage. So, again, we do encourage that. Uh, the uh, I do do joint mediation sometimes, and that is uh you know we can call it cooperative whatever we would like, but where I work with a mental health professional or an attorney, and sometimes we have meetings together and we kind of bounce ideas off of each other um, that has uh, helped and that 's worked in several instances and uh, we try when I come up with the memorandum of understanding actually you know as 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 you know i 'm a financial person and i 've been trained in finances, so uh in retirement plans and all of that. so there may be aspects that I may word differently or be a little more wordy uh, just to protect that client uh let 's say a good example is um, in that respect life insurance. we come up across life insurance and in the memorandums in the marital settlement agreements that I read, it says very typically that you know one party should keep you know this million dollar policy to protect the financial interests uh, to the other party vis-a-vis the spousal support. And uh, maybe and all, not just spousal support, but I also look into, well, if that person passes away, then the other person uh, will be have to fend for 100% of college funding. So, again, I like to include some estimates on how much for college in those uh, projections for the life insurance that should be maintained. And uh, But that's all the marital settlement agreement says, and I don't see any harm in adding to that something to say that it is up to the person who has the policy, the owner of the policy, to inform the life insurance carrier to include the uh, beneficiary be it the let's call it the mother in this case residential parent the mother they include them in for copies of statements or late notices or changes in beneficiary we certainly don't want the beneficiary to find out she's no longer the beneficiary he's no longer the beneficiary when it comes to be needed and if there's a change if the owner is the person whose life is being uh, protected that owner can make all the changes they want without informing the other spouse. So at least this way, they will be uh, apprised of any changes in the policy in that respect. And, uh, you know, the, the, I don't see any reason why the carrier, I've seen where the carrier, if asked to do this, will do that. So by putting it in the marital assembly agreement it becomes a to-do item. And that's one example of things that, you know, as financial professionals, we are trained to look for. Uh, that's one example there. Um, let's see. after do we go from here? I think I'm going to hop over, Nick, if it's okay, uh, to collaborative divorce because I know yeah. there's a lot to get through in there yeah, uh, let's, let's for mediation.
0: Cha- let's change it. If we, um, I'm assuming that we'll first uh, – okay, yeah, I see that when you're on your talking points, the agreement. Again, the one thing that I really tell people about collaborative for divorce is I like it so much because – the parties agree to settle their case or try to settle outside of court. And the complaint that I always saw from uh, working in family law in DuPage, um, well, not in DuPage necessarily, but everywhere, is that clients don't like paying for it trips to the court for status call every, uh, you know, every 30 days. And I think it's a very big trend. A lot of people are getting involved with collaborative law. I'm a big proponent and fan. So again, um, I know Connie will mention again, but the open house that's coming up will in September 22nd will be a great time to learn more about collaborative practice. So Connie, let's uh we're we'll probably break in a few minutes for uh for our break, but uh let once you lead off.
1: Okay. Yeah, we I, I think I'll lead off by just saying, yeah, as far as that open house goes, uh it was it's been very well received by the family law judges. And that is what we really are thankful for in the last several years. They have been uh there to attend uh the open house and really uh the main judge in DePage really stood up and gave a 20-minute uh talk on how he was really Uh, behind us and in that respect and thought what we did was great Uh, the obviously they don't go to status hearings and it is to stay out of court they still need to go to court the last day in order to uh, really you know where he you know puts down the gavel and says you're divorced and verifies who you are and makes sure that it's there's nothing in the agreement that is uh, uh, maybe a little bit Uh, I think what the legal term is, you know, ridiculous, (laughs) for ridiculous. But uh, the – so it's just so nice to see that they're behind us there. That is the only time they go to court, and the uh, agreement is that if the collaborative model falls apart midstream – what's called the participation agreement is really the crux of it and the participation agreement states that there the all professionals that are involved be it the attorneys the mental health professionals which will act as divorce coaches and myself as a financial neutral if I'm in that case cannot represent those people after enduring their litigation process if they decide to stop and go there so the impetus is to keep going in the process and to work things out and to be in full disclosure so a lot of those things like full disclosure like we have in mediation you know we go for That's part of the participation agreement And that's the crux of that
0: all right, we're going to pause quickly for uh, for our last break, and then we'll get into more about collaborative divorce and how it works and how it works with uh, financial divorce analysis. So this is the point of our show where we bring you a couple of our favorite law practice management resources. The American Bar Association's Law Practice Management section is one of our favorites. When American Bar Association members join the Law Practice Management section, you get free subscription to Law Practice, a bi-monthly magazine, dedicated to helping legal professionals master all aspects of the business of practicing law the fun doesn't stop there consider legal practice or law practice today that is the monthly web zine bringing you the most current information and trends in the legal industry by delivering anecdotes from professionals from the field of law your reading list should also include law practice news the bi-monthly newsletter for members of the law practice management section giving you the latest news in law practice management and the ABA as well as the legal profession general Again, American Bar Association's Law Practice Management section is one-stop shop for everything marketing, management, tech, and finance. Next, from Law Bulletin Publishing Company, when you subscribe to the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin and the Chicago Lawyer Magazine, you will receive up-to-date legal news from Chicago and around Illinois. Also, check out the Law Bulletin blog, Attorneys in Transition, which offers advice and tips for those lawyers going through a career transition. It also hosts a monthly career seminar for Lawyers in Flux in. In their careers. I am one of the weekly advice columnists published by the Attorneys in Transition site, and I hope that you do stop by and leave your comments at attorneysintransition.com. Again, a note, we'd like to remind people to please share our programming. You can also uh, find, get a message to us if you have uh, content or suggestions for guests. Uh, just as I'm going through the show today, I see a message uh, through the Facebook page about someone who uh, has a, an expert in Virginia who wants to be a guest. So um, always do send us those information and this is your Law Talk Radio. We do this for you. All right, now back to our talk. We're talking with Connie Walsh. Now we're, uh, we've are talked about an introduction to the services, litigation and the value of financial uh, analysis, financial divorce planning there. We talked about mediation, and now we're uh, going into more about how it works with collaborative divorce. Connie?
1: Okay, thanks, Nick. Uh, collaborative divorce, uh, we... Um the collaborative uh, collaborative law institute of illinois is was started about uh, 12 years ago uh in illinois by several uh attorneys mental health professionals and the financial and uh the it has grown substantially since then people have seen the uh the, uh, the advantage of that process uh the attorneys are, uh, the financial professionals and the mental health professionals are act as coaches they act as coaches and they um we are trained specifically we are called fellows in that so there is a specific basic training that goes through and we typically have that in the fall the basic training you don't have to travel to get that basic training and it really can become a paradigm shift for litigating attorneys however uh just wanted to be known that most of the attorneys in those in in the uh collaborative process that I've met are really not new attorneys in any respect. They're really seasoned attorneys that may have been uh, litigating attorneys, and maybe they just see this as a better way and it's actually an easier way for their practice and for their lifestyle so uh we are working as professionals in a team approach i mentioned before the participation agreement that is the crux of the matter and that will go through all of that the full disclosure all of that as well as respect in the in the uh, process it talks about uh the roles of all of the parties and uh the understanding. So a lot of people, again, think, like they did with mediation, this can be a less expensive way to go. Just like you said, Nick, uh, that you're not going to have the status hearings and all of that. And that's all true, that you're not going to have those status. You're not going to be going to court. Yes, you will be saving money and time in those, uh, especially if there has been no process, progress during that time period. However, you do have more parties involved, and that can be a hard call it a selling point when you're talking about collaborative divorce in uh, with the clients to say, yes, there's three ways to divorce if that's the way you approach it as a professional when your prospect comes into your office. And uh, so the um, the We don't, the professionals are there. Not all professionals are used in every case. You will have cases. Every case will have two attorneys. So each party is represented by an attorney looking out for their best interest and looking at as their financial advocate. But they do work uh, in concert with the other attorney more than they will as an uh, adversarial nature in the courthouse in litigation. So the role, obviously, of the attorney is still as, as a uh, legal advocate for that person and for their client. They will bring in, uh, hopefully early in on the process, a financial neutral, hopefully, if, that, if it needs be. And, of course, as a financial neutral, I think most cases, you know, 90 95% should have that. Uh, what that does is it brings in a neutral. We are the only neutral party, the financial person, in that process in that model. And we will then, after they've talked with the attorneys, the attorneys will send them off to me if I'm the financial neutral in the case. And I will start proceeding with, as I bring it back full circle to what I said in the beginning, what are your goals? What are your fears? What are your concerns in this process? And I talk to both, just as I would in my mediation. And I get a lot from that. Then we go on to the data gathering process of the of that financial relationship, and the, with that, the, we are going through um, not necessarily a comprehensive financial statement that the attorneys are used to in the litigation process, but a more of a data-gathering form that we use that really uh, works better with the software, the proprietary software that we use called Family Law Software. And so I'll give a little plug to family law software here, and uh, but as a collaborative uh, group, we have uh, uh, embraced that software such that it becomes better for the clients. That it's we're not fighting over who's whose finances to use, whether my spreadsheet looks better than yours, and all of that, because they're all familiar with the family law software output. The family law software will do the child support guidelines as well as the uh, what the attorneys are used to, and they call the FIN plan. It's what we call the after-tax cash and support, and we'll do different support scenarios, whether it's unallocated or allocated support, and how that would benefit and does allocate unallocated support even benefit them from a tax standpoint, we can we can illustrate that. So all of those things and the projections are all in that software. So that saves lots of time, lots of money. So I definitely feel that the collaborative process with the financials is very much more cost-effective and the time is not spent in fighting and going to court as much as helping the clients to educate them and not... Um, Working and working with the same set of numbers, all of the professionals. So it may be that some of the meetings are just with the attorneys with their own clients. And there may be breakout or caucuses during a meeting if we have a lot of professionals there at the meeting. It may be uh, that we have seven people there at the meeting, um, which sounds like a lot, but we can get a lot done in that hour time or two or three hours because everybody's there and there's no letters going back and forth. We're all brainstorming together, yet the attorneys reserve the right to bring their clients out and caucus with them so uh, you know the seven just to the seven you would have would be the two clients the two attorneys two divorce coaches and the financial professional and uh, the financial professional can really project on a screen these these uh, projections these the analysis the child support guideline and we can do what if scenarios right there and then so uh, that can be very helpful and uh, to both the attorney to make decisions on what is good in their best interest for their client and what is not. the the professionals may find it's helpful to brainstorm outside of the client meetings with each other to see what dynamics are going on and what are the stressful things and where is it that maybe one party needs more financial education than the other. It may be that I meet with one party with the approval of all the other parties. So very, very much a team approach in this respect. We um, will uh, really go through... If one party is not working and is really looking at rehabilitation in the workforce, then we will um, maybe have some time with the attorney or, without, or with the mental health professional, the divorce coach, and the client in respect to brainstorming on what do we think can be out there in the workforce and what uh, salary do we think could be um, available. We will look at other forms of income that may be available to that spouse, uh, such as pension income if they take it in earlier time. I'm doing a case now where we've decided instead of 65 years old of taking his pension he can access it at 55 years old and actually from a present value or a pension valuation standpoint it's worth more. So not only do we have a pension that's worth more In the as a asset for that person taking 100% on his side of the balance sheet, but we also have something that shows, based on it, the present value being more, the pension valuation being more, him taking it at 55, that shows that he's even if there wasn't a divorce, he'd be better off taking it in that respect. So that can supplement his income in this respect, rather than you know take wait for 10 years to take a pension that is uh, 20% more in dollars, in real dollars. So, again, we look at all that, and we really try to get creative and look at what's in the best interest for the family. You know, we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about the children and all of this, and I really um, would like to just take a few minutes before we end here to talk about the children and all of this in, we, obviously, a non-adversarial process is better for the children. We all know that. Um, we can be more creative in parenting agreements. We can be um, uh, more uh, considerate of the children's needs in that parenting agreement and in the visitation. We don't even call it visitation and collaborative remediation. mediation. We talk about parenting time. Things that are, are not so strong that will emit very negative responses from the spouses or from the clients. So the uh, getting the getting the spouses to really bring it down to what's in the best interest of the children, and this is monetarily this is college funding, this is life insurance, this is spousal support, this is child support all of these aspects are really need to be related to the children and we know uh, although I am uh, you know work in the litigation aspect and think that's the only process for many divorces that uh we know that that can be a very adversarial nature and hurt The joint parenting relationship that the courts want the parents to have post divorce. So it certainly doesn't try to heal that process. It really can hurt that process, you know, that relationship. So we have to think of these divorces and think of these families that this is a restructured family post divorce, not necessarily a split up of the children. And the children can sometimes see it that way. So if we keep that in the forefront of our minds, I think that's, you know, where I really would like to end is let's think about the children when there's children in the divorce and what's in their best interest.
0: Connie, I so vehemently agree with you and the benefit of not dragging the family through litigation process, not having your uh, papers filed in court with your personal business, not appearing, not having your name appear on that, sh- on that sheet outside the courtroom. That's something that matters to a lot of people. And uh, I just, I can't say enough good about mediation and the collaborative process. I think collaborative divorce is such a cool thing. Um I really thank you, Connie, for your time today in explaining how this all works. Quickly, can we get some contact information if people want to reach out to you?
1: Absolutely. Uh, you know, my office here is um, in Wheaton. I do travel to the other burbs and into the city uh, the, and have some plenty of places to meet or can meet at the attorney's offices there in Chicago. And I typically go down to Will County or up to Kane County. We certainly don't have enough attorneys in Kane County that represent uh, the collaborative process. Uh, the um uh but my main office is here in Wheaton, right across from the county courthouse. And uh again my website is w dot com. And uh, my name is Connie Walsh and I really thank you all for your time.
0: Connie, thank you again for your valuable time today in sharing this information, and we also want to thank all of our listeners out there for tuning in to this episode of the Consumer's Law Journal on your Law Talk Radio. Today's sponsors, we'd like to thank, number one, advertising copy and intellectual property attorney, at Nancy K. Ducharme. Secondly, executive coach, Mary Lane of Peak Marketing and Sales Incorporated. Third. Law Firm Business and Marketing and Public Relations Agency, known as Law Publicist Communications, a division of ALR PRA Incorporated. Fourth, Attorney Jim Thompson of the Midwest Consulting Group in the Get Clients Now program. And fifth, credit damage expert George Finder. Finally, software and technology attorneys at Marcus Stephen Harris, LLC. Again, by disclaimer, this is a General Information Program. The advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Communication with attorneys in the show does not con- give rise to attorney-client relationship, Law Talk Radio, not necessarily endorse all the opinions expressed by guests all callers remain confidential and rights to this broadcast are reserved again your law talk radio episodes are programmed to entertain and bring you our attorney and non-attorney audiences the tips tools and practice area information and news you can use to be better informed practitioners and consumers of legal services With our guests and listeners located worldwide, we appreciate the opportunity to use this socially networked radio program to bring people together and share collective intelligence. Again, this is Nick Augustine, the law publicist for Yarta Law Talk Radio, and as always, I thank you for your time.